Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by Pastor Brian D. Corkin be a blessing to your life in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. Good morning. Look at your neighbor and say, you look marvelous. Now wait, it's not done yet. On a very snow day, snowy day. You know, it was coming down so hard at one point that I was actually thinking, I don't know. But uh, we, so far they say it's not going to be as bad as they say. Big shocker. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, are you ready? I'm going to leave that alone. (laughs) You know, we have been on a journey called God's One Thing. Last week, we started that journey. (laughs) And don't you know that we live in a culture today. You're making me smile there, Monty. We live in a culture today that looks at God as an inconvenience. It's sort of like we're so busy that we, we don't even have time for God. And, and this not goes for just the world. This actually goes for the church. The church, in a sense, has done the same thing the world does, is that they don't see really time for God. Okay, you know, it's amazing. We read stories of Daniel and the lion, right? That he was willing to serve God and pray when there was a rule not to pray and be thrown into the lion's pit. But when we look at our lives today, it doesn't take much for us to kind of take our relationship with God and say, well, I don't really need to do this and I don't really need to do this. And this is the type of culture we're living in. We're living in a consumerism or we're living in a convenient culture. We do things that's convenient. We're so busy that we're too busy. I remember in my early days of serving the Lord, I put a bumper sticker on for everybody else, and it said this. Let me just ask you a question. How many of you have a bumper sticker on your car? Yeah, look at that, yeah. So many people, uh, so many people, (laughs) I just caught on that. So many people don't even do bumper stickers anymore. But back when I was growing up, bumper stickers were like, Everybody had them, okay? And I put one on my back bumper. I had like Yosemite sand, turn or burn. You know, that was was my message back then. I also had this one. If you're too busy for Jesus, you're too busy. I thought, you know what, Lord, I like that. One day, I'm driving down the road, and I'm doing all this stuff, doing this, and I'm driving place to place, and the Lord reminds me, that of this little bumper sticker of being too busy. If you're too busy for Jesus, you're too busy. And this little voice said to me, son, you're too busy. And right in, right in my seat while driving, I had a moment with Jesus, recognizing that I've been busy, but not effective. I've been doing, but not really pleasing. And we live in a world today that we live in no room to learn and live out the things of God. You know, it's sort of like when we say, hey, there's a prayer meeting, or and this is the church now, not the world, but prayer meeting, or there's this, a special group, or small groups, or church. It's not high in the priority. Everything else in life is a priority. And today, we're going to talk about knowing, knowing what's the necessity, knowing what's the important things, what's the need. There are some things in life that you may be doing that, tell you the truth, 
Life would be okay if you didn't do it. You may want to do it. So last week we started with part one, was to attack your lack. One thing. And we learned about a, a very wealthy individual. And we had a question last week. And the question was this. What is hindering you from becoming fully devoted to Jesus? What is hindering you? This young, wealthy ruler was hindered by his wealth. But yet he had the greatest, greatest question that anybody could ask. What must I do to have eternal life? I've had people say that to me. How can I be saved? Beautiful, beautiful moments ever that I have. And that's happened quite a few times. What must I do to be saved? People actually say, quote, they don't even know the Bible. And so it's very easy to lead those people to the Lord Jesus Christ and see them develop because they have this desire, they have this need in them, and they know the necessity is to know Jesus. Well, this young man, young ruler we talked about last week, came to Jesus, asked the question, and Jesus says, there's one thing you lack. Go sell all you, all you have, come to me and follow me. But he didn't, he couldn't. He went away sad because he happened to love his wealth more than his God. And he went away very sad. Now, I don't know about you, but that young man was so close to the answer. So close to Jesus. So close to the answer. He was given such a great opportunity to follow Jesus. But he missed the opportunity because he loved something more. Let me ask you a question. Just a reminder from last week. And if you haven't watched it or heard it, you can go to Facebook or um, YouTube or Podbean and, and listen to it. Because it's a challenge for all of us. What do we love more? What's hindering our walk with God? Because if you don't ask the question, you're never going to come up with the answer. And I ask these questions to me all the time. And sometimes I don't always like the answer. That's why you ask the question. So we can learn. But he went away from the Lord and he went away from the Savior of the world kind of downhearted. You know, that's the first phrase, one thing. There's five of them in Scripture. We're going to be talking about all five. The second one is one thing I know, one thing I ask, one thing I do. And today, today is one thing is necessary. One thing is necessary. Let me ask you this question. If I asked you, what are the one things that are necessary in your life? What are they? Give me a list of 10 things that are necessary. Okay, think of them right now. 10 things that are necessary. They're very much needed. They're necessary in your life. They're not the things you want. They're the things you need. I did my 10, and I'm going to show you mine. This was just, just off the cuff. Just put them together. These are my 10. We need to believe God. We need love and to be loved and to love. We need water. We need food. Relationships we need. It's necessary. Relationships, family and friends. We need a job. We need finances and savings. We need to give. We need to learn. We need to teach. All those things are necessary in life. I think if we're not doing all these, right, these ten, never mind, there's, there's more, but for me, if I'm not doing these, these are 10 that I really thought about. And I said, you know what? Because it's not enough to receive, but you've got to give. It's not enough to learn, but you've got to teach so you can affect the next generation. So those are, those are things that are necessary. Here is the question that I want to ask you today. 
What are the things that rob us from fully giving our time, talents, and treasures to Jesus Christ's work and word? What are the things that rob us? Rob us. I want you to understand. Rob us is usually defined as a distraction. A distraction. Now, how many go to a restaurant and you sit down, ready to have a meal, and you look around and everybody's on their phone? How many? Might be you. (laughs) I've caught myself many, many times on my phone while I'm with my family, even in the early years, because I thought my phone calls were really, really important. And I, Lord, I couldn't miss a phone call. That would be tragic. How many remember in the days before cell phones that when someone rang at your house, you ran to get it? Huh? Now, anybody remember? If you're older, you know exactly. And you didn't have answer machines at that time. And then you wondered, who was it called? Who was it? Who was it? You stopped calling everybody. Did you call me? No. Oh. Did you call me? Today, today, the whole different story. I don't think anybody necessarily runs for their phone anymore. Ah, eh, the voicemail will get it. You see, you and I must really ask ourselves, what are the things that rob us from fully giving our time, talents, and treasures to serve Jesus Christ. Now, we have emails and phones and texts and social media. Oh, my word. Social media alone. I was talking to a, a, a youth the other day, and they were telling me how much time they were on the phone in one day. I'm shocked sometimes. Sometimes I look at my own phone and realize how much I've been on the phone in that day. But usually, one person can call me, and I'm on the phone for a long, long time. (laughs) But it's amazing how we can be distracted. And so I want to talk to you today is understand that knowing what is necessary, what is those things that are most important in your life that we can't miss. Because you have to realize we can do good things, but the question is, are they necessary things? Doing good doesn't mean you're doing great. Doing good can really distract you from doing those things that are great. We can do things that are yelling urgent, or we can really do the things that are important. Let me give you a scenario, true one. So when you have a habit of wanting to answer your phones and making sure everybody's okay, and then you have a son or a daughter and they're playing, they're on their bike, and all of a sudden, they just fall, they're crying, and you see some blood. You have a phone call that's calling, answer me, answer me. You have a son or a daughter saying, I'm hurt, I'm hurt, I need comfort. Answer my call. Both are urgent. But there's only one that's really important. You see, sometimes, though, many, you're you're okay, you're okay, hello. (laughs) And I've seen that done, too. And I may be even guilty of that. You'll live. (laughs) But the reality, the reality is sometimes because something makes all this noise, we give it so much attention and we do the urgent. But we forget to do the important. And it's the important things that we have to focus on. It's the important things that really matters. It's sort of like 
Distractions come in all different forms, and I was in a course, and the course was teaching how to be focused, and they talked about the monkey's brain, and the monkey's brain is like crazy. It's crazy to distract it so easily. A monkey could be focusing on something, but if he sees something shiny or something moving, all of a sudden, he'll go to that, and he'll keep going to things all over the place. He can't keep them in, in one place because this monkey brain is always going to the thing that's most moving or most attractive. And sometimes you and I are the same way. How many of you start off going into a store and you got three items to get? I go, three items, three items to get, right? And you go into the store and you come out with nine, ten items. And you forget the items you went in for. Huh? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, I don't point any fingers. Don't point any fingers. How about this? How about you start to study something? And you're looking at it and you're studying. you got like so much time to study something. And all of a sudden you find yourself, you're studying three and four and five things. And you're not studying the thing you're supposed to be studying. I, I know. I, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm right with you. <laughs> See, we get distracted. We've got to be careful that we do the essentials in life. And today we're going to talk about doing the essential. Because this is one area that she lacked in the essential. The most important thing. Let's look at Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. And read along with me. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him, this is Jesus, and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is necessary or needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, don't you feel a little bit from Martha right now? I mean, can you just hear this? We'll talk a little about this later, but you know, you read the story and you're like, yeah, get working. Come on, be part of the team. Okay, that's me. <laughs> that was me when my kids were working, man. Hey, hey, let's go. One time they asked me, they said, Dad, can I ask you a question? I'm not sure. He said, did you, did you have kids just so you could have slaves? can tell you how much I worked them a little bit when they were younger. Let's look at verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Jesus is heading to Mary and Martha's house. This is also the house of Lazarus. It's a house that as he was on his preaching um, routine and going from place to place, he often stopped there in Bethany. You can see a little bit more of the story in John. Then they're getting ready for the guests, and there's a lot of preparation. And if you do the kitchen work, how many of you, you know, you do all the preparation, the cooking, and you prepare meals and stuff? You like the meals a certain way. You like the forks on the right-hand side, the spoon here, the, you know, the napkins here. You like everything looking really good. And Lord behold, Lord behold, if it's not in place right. Or if you break a dish just before company comes, you're in trouble. <sighs> 
Well, Mary is, uh, Martha is getting everything ready. She can tell she's the elder sister, so she's in control. And Martha is in charge, and she wants everything to be perfect. In verse 39, she had her sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So here is Martha, very much involved in her work, and there her sister is sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening. So I want to teach you two L's today that are very important in growing and finding the necessities of life, because we learn this from Mary. What did she do? The first L was that she listened. If you want to learn things in life, you have to listen to what God says and listen to what other people are trying to tell you. Listen. Once you listen, you can then do the second L that that Mary teaches us. You learn. Because you can't learn something unless you first listen. And here is Jesus sitting, sitting down, and she's sitting right at his feet, and he's teaching, and he's talking, and she is all ears. Now remember, this is the same woman that poured out nard upon his hair and his feet and wiped it with her hair. She has a total worship of her Lord. She loves her Lord. And she knew who he was. And she wanted to spend every minute with him. Let's get this. Here's a woman who wants to spend every minute, listen, lingen, uh, really lingen, or lingen, is that a word? I don't know, is lingen a word? Today, it's holding on to every word that Jesus said. And I want you to tell you something. How much do we, does that look like us? Does that look like us? Do we really jump into the word and go into prayer? Do we really have that same tenacity to want to hear whatever God has to say? And I think we all can grow in that area. Notice now, it's not normal for a woman to be at the feet of Jesus. It kind of goes against the culture. You won't see that a woman at the feet of a rabbi unless they're they're having issues and judgment of some sort. But the, the teaching, that didn't take place. Jesus always did things different. Jesus fulfilled everything. It's amazing what Jesus has done. So here's a couple questions. What level is your desire to listen and learn from the Word of God? How much are you in it to win it? How much do you listen? And when you listen, how much do you do? Because you can't just hear it. You have to do it. As James tells us, not to be a hearer of a word, but a doer. Of the word. So there's a question. What level, what level is your desire to listen and to learn what God's trying to teach you? And then are you willing to do it, act upon it? I, I, this is the thing that in my own life, in my own life that I'm really working on hard. I'm tired of knowing and learning. Now, God, I want to do. I want to do it. I want to experience it. I want to do what I know to do. So important. So important. What are you doing right now that is causing you to grow in your relationship with the Lord? People say, you want to grow in the Lord? Uh-huh. What are you doing? Um, um. Then I'll ask them, are you reading your Bible? Well, no, not really. I mean, maybe once every week. Well, let me ask you back to the first question. You want to grow in the Lord? Yes. What are you doing? Uh, see? See, so you have, this, you have this desire, but you have no plan. You have this desire, but you have no action. You have all this talk, but you have no walk. 
You see, they've got to go together because, see, here is, here is Mary. She recognized Jesus was in the house. Now, let me tell you something. Jesus is in your house. I know you say, well, he's not really there, Pastor, not like there. No, no, he's even more because the Spirit of God lives in you. But the problem is we don't think that way. We always want to see something tangible. We always want to see it in front of me. I had a deacon in my last church come up to me one time and says, you know, if Jesus was here, I'd live my life different. I said, no, you wouldn't. Because Jesus lived in the flesh, Emmanuel, with many people, and they still wanted to kill him even after he raised Lazarus from the dead. You see, people always say, well, my situation changed, I'll be different. Hogwash, not true. Because change happens today. Change happens when you listen and learn and then you apply. If you're just listening and not learning, you're not growing. Because, you know, you're just taking it in. You're like a sponge full of water but not been squeezed. You see, so here's Mary just sitting at the feet of Jesus. And we need to look at this. Because it was all delight for her. It wasn't duty. I gotta go to church today. <sighs> I wish it really snowed a lot today. Then I gonna have to go to church and worship God. I could stay in bed. Yeah, I tell you, you know what my thing is. Here's my thing: spending hours and hours and hours preparing a meal, and no one shows up. You know, I don't just people say, "Yeah, you're a pastor. You just spit it out." Yeah, I could spit out a message in a second. There's truth to that, but I don't. I will never do that. And the day I do that, I'll hang up my cleats. And go fishing. And I like fishing, but I won't do that because that's just, I like what I do. I love what I do. You see, Mary sees an opportunity of having Jesus in the house, and she sees it and takes advantage of the opportunity. Now, here's a question you and I have to ask ourselves. Do we take advantage of every opportunity we get? Even when the opportunity may in inconvenience us, you see? Because Mary's actually choosing something greater than what she should be doing. We'll talk about that in a little bit. You see, because she delays what she should be doing to do something that's greater. She saw the value of Jesus being there. There's value of you being right here in the house of the Lord. It's value when you open your word. It's value when you're in small group. It's value when you pick God over all the other stuff this world has to offer. See, you know what makes Las Vegas so attractive to so many people? Is all the lights, all the action, all the fluff, and all the stuff. But let me tell you something. The real fluff and stuff is found in Jesus Christ. Because his fluff and stuff is real meat and real stuff. That fills the heart, not just fills the air of an atmosphere. I want you to say, we, we lose so much when we don't realize that Jesus is right with you today. He wants, the Spirit of God wants to teach you, wants to help you, wants to encourage you, wants to get you up to get you going. Problem is, we just got to do what we already know what to do. But we don't do what we ought to do. And we fight against it, and we fight against it, and we stay miserable only because, only because we refuse to do what God wants us to do. But here was Mary, sitting at the feet of the Lord, listening and learning. Look what happens here. But Mary was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her. Will you tell her? Could you imagine? I just mentioned. Tell her to help me. Martha was having a moment. 
And Martha thought she'd get the big guns. She'd get the big guns out. Because I'll tell you right now, guarantee, Martha said, Mary, come on, come on. Mary, no, listen. Mary, come on. Mary, don't listen. Other workers or other helpers said, hey, your sister needs your help. Okay. Mary, don't move. I'm sure this happened over and over again until finally she said, she won't listen to me. She won't listen to anybody. I'm, I'm going to get Jesus. I'm going to sick Jesus on her. And she's going to be big trouble. You know, sometimes we want to do that to people. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm going to pray and you'll be in big trouble. You try. Tell you, that's what some of them have done. Yeah. So Mary is loaded. See, see, here's Mary. She's listening and she's learning. But, but, but Martha, she's loaded with labor. Totally loaded with, loaded with labor. And all she's thinking about, I got to do, I got to do. Now she's trying to make it perfect for Jesus. Mary's doing the right thing. Excuse me. Martha's doing the right thing. Martha's taking care of what the responsibility of hospitality in that time. Martha's trying to make a very good moment for all the guests. Martha's trying to make a very good moment for her Lord. Martha loved her Lord. But she saw her labor more important. And she missed the moment that Jesus was bringing. And sometimes, I really believe this, sometimes, even in the presence of God, the moving of the Spirit, sometimes we can miss what the Spirit of God is trying to do because we push the Spirit out. I believe, I believe that sometimes a sensitivity to move when the Spirit of God is moving is crucial to see what the Spirit of God will do. And if we miss it sometimes... It's true. I think we miss it. Because I look back in my past, and I can tell you certain times where I saw the Spirit of God doing something, knowing what I should have done, but I didn't do it for whatever reason, and I saw a whole different change take place. So I really believe this. But Mary is distracted and disconnected from what Jesus is saying. Matter of fact, she's not even paying attention to Jesus. The living Son of God is in her house, and she's not even paying attention to him because she thinks her job, her responsibility, her work is more important. Now, I want you to get this because we do the same thing in our life. Martha's just like some of you and I. I know I'm more of a Martha than I am a Mary, and I have taught myself to be a Mary because I'd rather work on what needs to be done. Let me just get it done and be done with it. See? But I also know that you need to spend time at the feet of Jesus and just simmer down a little bit and just... Get that moment with God first. That's why I lived my life with this little saying. Before you meet the face of man, meet the face of God early in the morning. Before my day starts, my day doesn't start. Everybody's sleeping. But I've already had my day and my time with my Lord. And it's been the lifesaver through all my whole life. See, Mary is taking care of everything that needs to be done in the meal, but she's not focusing upon what Jesus is saying. I, I don't know about you, but she looks over and sees her sister, and I don't know, but just picture this. Martha gets hot under the collar. Think of, you ever seen someone when they get mad, they turn red? Huh? And you know they're mad, or their eyes got fire? My kids used to say to me, Dad, we always knew when you were angry because you had fire in your eyes. And my brother also said that to me as well. He said, I can always know you. I can see it in your eyes. There's fire in those eyes, you know. I remember a time, uh, my dog, not this one here, not Buddy, but Chloe, I remember he went after a chicken bone 
and he, I don't want, just a puppy, and I'm cooking on the barbecue, and he, he took my chicken, he just took the whole, the whole thing, and he ran with it, and I'm like, oh, and I'm running after a dog on wet grass, and he took a sharp turn, and I didn't, I fell, dislocated my shoulder. Then the dog came up to me, licking me in the face. I just wanted to kill that dog. Oh. And my brother pops my shoulder back in. I get the chicken bone out of his, uh, he, he drops the chicken right there when I'm in total pain, you know. I could have really killed him then. Um, and then my brother told me, he said, oh, man, I knew you were going to kill your dog. He said, you had fire in the eyes. I said, I wouldn't have stopped until I got that chicken out of his mouth. I had the whole chicken. <laughs> So sometimes we get so frustrated because of a situation. Mary was upset. Excuse me. Martha was ex, 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 uh, uh, upset. And Martha was so ups, upset because she was so loaded with her cares, so loaded that she had a shift in mind where she said, I got an idea. You ever notice that when you have a problem, you think you're going to solve it by your idea? Oh, I know how to solve this. Oh, yeah? Yeah? Uh-huh. I'll, I'll fix them. I'm going to go to Jesus. So she goes to Jesus with her blood pressure rising. I want you to understand this is so great. Mary hasn't moved from her spot. She's like, no way. I got this spot and I ain't giving this spot to nobody. I got the best spot in the house. I'm listening and I'm learning. Then over the matter, could you imagine? Right in front of everybody, she goes up to Jesus and she points her. Her finger at Mary. I need help. Look what it says. She came to him and asked him, Lord, don't you care? You see my sister sitting there. You know she has responsibilities. You know she's supposed to help me. And don't you even care about me? I'm trying to do all this for you. Have you ever heard that? I'm doing all this for you. Don't you care? And this goes on to say, She's left me to do, she's left me to do all the work by myself. Tell her, tell her to help me. Now look at this. This is where it gets kind of good. It's because what do we allow in our life to distract us from fully giving our time, our talents, and our treasures to the Lord? Martha doesn't see what Jesus sees or what Mary sees. What does she see? Only what she sees. Martha is not even looking or trying to understand what Jesus is doing or what Mary is doing, what's happening over there. All she sees is her problem. All she sees is her circumstance. All she sees is her labor and her load. And when you just have labor and load and no one's there to help you, you're frustrated. You're irritated. You're aggravated. And you're really ready to do something. But let me ask you a question. What do you allow in your life? To distract you from really seeing what God's trying to do. What are the areas of your life that you're just looking at where you are? You're not looking at the other person. You're not looking at what God's trying to do. You're just looking at you. It's all about you. Like Joyce Maya singing a song. It's all about me. I won't sing it for you, but you know what I'm talking about. What are the things that robs you of giving your time and talent and treasure to the Lord? What are those things that's robbing you because of the way you think? Or how you do. Or you get mad because you don't do when you know you should do. What are the things that distract you? That you end up doing the minors instead of doing the majors. Let me ask you a question. What is the majors in your life? What's important to you? 
What is the most important things to do? There is a devil out there that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've given you life and life more abundantly in John 10.10. The thief is always trying to distract you. God is always trying to attract you. The devil knows that if he can distract you in something or you to get your eyes on something else, he's going to pull you away from what God's trying to draw you in. Look what happens here. She complains. She says, don't you care? My sister's over there. She's not moving. All this is taking place in front of everything. I don't know about you, but I was thinking, I was thinking, boy, I wonder what was going through Mary's mind. Oh, boy, am I going to get in trouble? I've, I've, I've been listening to anybody. I've been right here. Uh, Jesus is going to rebuke me in front of everybody? Am I going to be embarrassed? But we know the story, don't we? Jesus goes up to Martha and says, Martha, Martha. The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. Now let's look at this for a second. I love the way Jesus responded to Martha. It wasn't like, you know, for crying out loud, Martha, how many times do you have to learn? I'm here. I'm only here for a short time. I mean, appreciate me while I'm here, will you? I mean, listen, if I want to, I can take that few breads over there and multiply and we'll have a meal. We'll be done. Think about it. See? But in Martha's mind, it had to be prepared. But Jesus could provide a meal if he so wanted to. Matter of fact, you see this in Elijah. Elijah is running, and there's an angel cooking for Elijah. Isn't that amazing? So if Jesus really wanted a meal and thought of a meal, he did say he was the one that says, you know, man shall not live by every... Uh, by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I'm not just saying, I don't think the meal was that important to Jesus. I think Jesus had his mind on other things. But look how he, he answers her. This is so, so beautiful, just the response, just how he responds. It's really great. Because, see, Martha is so distracted about serving. She's not really taking the time to learn And so, we all get that way sometimes. Before I go with verse 41, let me just ask you a couple things. In Mary's choice, she chose wisely. I don't know about you, but you and I need to learn a lot, don't we? We're always in the process of learning. When Jesus looked at Mary, he said this like this. Martha, Martha. Now think about this. When I answer you, and I would answer your name, and I would use it in that type of tone, Martha, Martha, what does that say to you? Is he rebuking her? No. I guarantee you, when he said Martha, Martha, he's loving. He's going to correct her, but he's trying to teach her. Can I tell you this? When people really love you, and they're trying to correct you, this is what you need to do. L and L. Listen and learn. LNL, listen and learn. If the person who's trying to talk to you is talking to you because they love you and they're going to tell you something, yes, it's going to be hard to hear, but you know that you know that they love you, then you need to let them be a voice of the Lord so that you can listen to what they have to say so you can learn because his Jesus about to say something and says, Martha, Martha. That 
alone in the tents is a compassionate tense. It's a compassion that Jesus is about to say something to her that she doesn't understand because all she's been thinking about is herself and the work and the load of what she has to do of totally not even paying attention that Jesus is in the house, not paying attention of what's happening in Mary, not knowing the influence that was going to happen in Mary for her future to prepare for what was coming. You are worried and upset about many things. Just stop for a minute. How many things do we get upset about, all bent out of shape, and we never invite the Lord in? We just get so ticked off and just fly off the handle, and we never really think about, wait a minute, is God in control? No matter what happens in the world, no matter what happens in our life, God's still in control. We live our life by faith, not by sight. But why is it that we get all upset because of what we see by sight? Is God in control or not in control? Is he? And if God is in control, then when something seems out of control, it should bring us back to knowing God is in control. I may not understand, but God understands. And he says to her, you are worried and upset about so many things. Martha is anxious and upset. The Greek word for anxious is divided in mind. Whenever you get upset, you are divided in your thoughts. You have a thought over here, a thought over here, a thought over here. You're not clear. You're so upset about one particular area that everything else is a blur. Martha is in trouble. She's tossed with every emotion. She's focused on doing and not on being. Because sometimes people rather be busy than spending time at the feet of Jesus. You need to just pray about it. I don't want to pray. I just want to do something. Mm, that works only for so long. You need to sit at the feet of Jesus. You need to listen. You need to learn. Then when you get up, work like a Martha. I call that the M&M power. You need both in life. You need both in life. She's anxious. She wants to do for Jesus, but she hasn't been listening to him. You see, here's the, here's the important part between a Martha and a Mary. Martha set her whole sight on what was important, was the meal over the master. The meal was more important than the master. Martha is allowing her work to get in the way of her worship. Because, see, she had responsibilities. But this was only going to be for so long. Sometimes we don't realize the amount of time we have something. That's why we have to appreciate it. Martha is focusing on the minors, not the majors. Martha is focusing on the immediate, not the eternal. What's most important is this meal. Nothing else important. And we sometimes do that in life. What, this is so important right here. You know, we could be at a, a holiday dinner or something and you burn the green beans. Let's suppose you burn the green beans, right? Oh, no, I burnt the green beans. My philosophy, so what? We have the turkey, we have everything else, no big deal. Open the windows, let's get the smell out of the house. That's my deal. Not everybody has my philosophy. <laughs> See, I don't care if we burnt something. We have all the other stuff. And if we burn the whole meal and the dog ate the turkey, we're going out. And we're going to have a good meal. And we're going to laugh. And we're going to someday laugh about it if the dog survives. <laughs> <laughs> 
So here's the, here's the question that I want to ask you again. What are the things that rob us from fully giving our time, our talents, and our treasures to Jesus Christ's work and word? What do we allow in our life to distract us from fully giving these three T's? Because, see, we allow distractions into our life. I remember one time I, I, got, I get away with the Lord just to hear from God, just to get rid of all the static. And I, the one time I went to a monastery. And a monastery I spent a whole four days locked in a very small, tiny room, sharing a bathroom with a monk. And for me to be with monks, trust me, it was a challenge for me as it was a challenge for them. And so I didn't see anybody for four days. I want you to understand something is that I went out one day, it was like the end of the fourth day, I went out for a little walk and I ran across a monk. And he asked me a question, he says, how you doing? I said, I'm doing pretty good. After four days locked in the Lord, I felt really good. He says, why are you here? I said, well, you know, life gets kind of busy and uh, gets chaotic, and I just come to get alone with the Lord. And he said, oh, you mean all the distractions and the mess you bring into your life? So I thought he didn't understand me, and I said, no. I said, I felt like saying afterwards, when I really understood what he said, I felt like, no, in the real world, um, but uh, I didn't. I said, no, you know, in the, in the world, you have all these problems and situations and stuff like this. I just get alone just so I can hear the word of God. And he says, no, no, you mean all of the distractions and the noise you allow in your life. Now I'm trying to, now I'm really hearing what he's saying. She says, you're complaining about all the noise and all the distractions, but you allow those noise and distractions to come in your life, which become a hindrance, but the hindrance actually affects you. And so after a while, I said, I understood what you're saying. And I got the lesson. But I got to be honest with you. I wanted to give him a lesson. Locking yourself up on a mountain, not relating to the real humanity, is not the answer either. But I didn't go there. I said, well, why don't you go try living in the real world and see how you do. But I get what he was saying. He was saying, you know, all those things that we allow in our lives, sometimes we're the problem of why our life is so chaotic. We're the problem, in a sense, of why certain things seem to distract us. You know, if you know that you're going to, if you go on YouTube and you're going to start going on YouTube and you know once you start with YouTube, there goes an hour or an hour and a half of your time, don't put it on unless you have an hour of your time that you want to chill out. You see, if you have something that you want to do, you say you want to spend time with someone in the family, you want to spend time with your daughter or your son, or you want to spend time with your wife or your husband, and then, but if you go do this, it's, there goes the time. That's the most important part. That's like what Mary and Martha, the difference. Mary saw the moment, the opportunity, and took the most important thing, and that's what we need to do in life. The things we're doing in life, are they the most important things? Are they the necessity? Are they growing relationships or growing, growing our relationship with the Lord? That's the real question. That's the real question. Mary did the right thing because she focused not on the moment, but on her master in that moment. And we need to do the same thing in prayer. That's why most people don't do that. But when I look at this, you are worried and upset about many things. And I, and I go through life and I go through a lot of people. And even teenagers are so, wow, my word, all upset about so many things. They're upset and they're worried and they have questions and this and that. And they don't have, they need to get back with this relationship with Jesus Christ and making Jesus the focus, their first love. And I guarantee you, if you put him first, everything else will take care of its stuff. I'll take care of things. Look what happened in verse 42. But only one 
thing is needed. Only one thing is needed, Martha. One thing. If we're going to do the one thing good, we need to know what it is. So let's ask ourselves, what's that one distraction that is in our life? One distraction in our life. What is it? What's that one thing that brings us down? What is it? What's that one tool that the enemy is using to strength, to, to distract us and to just bring us down? What is it? And then what is that one thing that we need to do, the necessity, so that we can have strength in the Lord, that we have strength in knowing where we're going, that we have strength in our step, that we have a strong attitude in that God's capable of doing all that he needs to do? What is that one thing? But only one thing is needed, Martha. Mary has chosen what is better. So we have to ask ourselves in life, are we choosing what is good or what is great? What is better or what is best? See, it's a choice we, we, we make. I make, you make. And I'm doing my best to do better. That little pun on bees. See, I did that. And it will not be taken away from her. Why is that? Why is that? Because, see, when things are eternal, they go everywhere you go. So let's suppose everybody had a nice meal. Everybody was happy about the meal. It only lasts for a short time. Then they'll never remember that meal ever again. They'll remember it if you burnt the turkey and the dog ate it. Do you ever remember your vacations are only memorable if something happened to them? Take a vacation that nothing went wrong. Do you remember what happened on it? Probably not. Yeah, it was a good vacation. We went over here, over here, and it was nice. It was nice. That's all you know about it? That's all I remember. But I remember this vacation, such and such fainted, right when taking a picture, uh, this got sick, and this person got sick. I don't know, maybe that really happened, I'm not sure. <laughs> but we always rem- you always remember those, those are memories. I remember when we were in Colorado, we went on a uh, uh, family combined trip with, a, with an evangelist, and we went to Colorado, and we went all through Colorado and stuff. It was great. And then all of a sudden, it was a great trip. Why do I remember that trip? My car broke down right in front of a hotel. But that's not why I remember it. It cost me $3,000 to fix my car. That's why I remember it. I remember that trip because after a great time and going through all the different things we did, at the end, it broke down. But it broke down right in front of a hotel. Isn't that awesome? I said, God, you are so good. My back end seized up. My transmission died. Everything died. One shot deal. It was a wonderful moment in in time. $3,000 later. But what was great, listen to God's goodness. Because I said, God, I don't have $3,000. We had to put it on charge, and I didn't have the cash. And, and I came home. Half was in the mailbox when we got back. There was a check in there from the government. Can you get that? They gave me a check for half the amount of money. I said, God, you are so good. What is it? The thing is, don't worry about all the stuff. Just put your eyes on Jesus. It won't be taken away from you when you put your life in God. Let God be the first deal. Mary was the focal point. Everything she was going to learn, everything that she heard, she could apply to her life forever and ever and ever. When you find yourself in the Word of God, when you're learning the Bible, you, guess what? It's going to be wonderful for your life. It does something different. Right, Marie? Amen. <laughs> Let me end with this. Our time, our work, our hobbies, our rest, our sports, 
our talents, serving, helping, teaching, our treasures, our tithe, our giving, our sharing. We really got to bring ourselves back to the question. You have to answer the question. I want you to answer the question in your mind. What are the things that rob you from fully giving your time, your talents, and your treasures to Jesus Christ's work and his word? You see, because everybody has time. That's probably, out of all three of these, your time is the most valuable one. Everybody has a certain amount of time, that's it. Same amount of time during the day, during the week, during the month. No one gets more than that. Some people accomplish more in their time, but everybody gets the same amount of time. Your talents, what has God given you that you can do that maybe somebody can't do? Because that's what strengthens a church. Everybody taking their talents and their gifts and putting it towards. This body is made up of many parts with 206 bones. And in all these parts, it functions. And when one part doesn't function, it affects the whole body. It's the same thing with your talents and your gifts. When it's not connected to the body, it is weak. It's like taking an amber out of the fire. It loses its redness, its hotness, because it's not connected to the rest of the fire. You take that same one and put it into the ambers that are burning red, and it then starts to glow red. The same thing. What are you doing with your talents and your, um, your abilities and your treasures, your finances? These are things that God gives you. Listen, finances are a gift. Finances are a tool. It really is. It's not all for you. It's to be a blessing to others. To be able to help needs. And the first thing you want to do is get out of debt. Be debt free. Debt free is the most beautiful thing because it gives you the ability to help anybody that you, God says to help. Because you're able to do so. But we live in a world today that we get distracted by our mission. And we want this and want this and want this and want this. And it's so foolish. So foolish to live paycheck to paycheck. That's not God's Way of living. Just God has a better economy. And it's called wisdom. And we walk in that. And you learn that as you listen. And you learn. And that will carry your whole lifetime. You see, Mary chose wisely. Has anybody ever watched Indiana Jones? Anybody? Which one? Good question. Um, the one that they have the, 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 uh, the cup. And he has to go in there, and he got the everlasting life. That's number three. Thank you very much. And, uh, and he goes in there, and he has all of these cups that Jesus Christ supposedly used at, um, at the Last Supper. And they had to choose. And one guy went up there, and he chose this incredible, beautiful cup. And he put it into the water that's supposed to be everlasting life, and he drunk it, and he died pretty badly. And then Indiana Jones comes and he looks and looks and he gets a simple cup, just a very simple cup. And he uses it and he, and he brings it to his father that's, that was just been injured and it would heal him. And as so long as the cup didn't, this is all movies now, okay? <laughs> just, just like, it's not biblical, this is a movie now. And, and so I, I got a point to this, hate with me. And, and so, so, and he gives it the, the, the water there and he gets healed and stuff like this. And the guy who's in charge of it all, when, when Indiana Jones chose the cup, he says he has chosen wisely. 
But when the other guy chose and he drunk and he died, he said he has chosen poorly. I want you to choose wisely. I want you to understand that the same type of events take place in life. I know you say Jesus is not here and, and the same scenario may not be the same. But the, the scenario itself will happen in your life and in my life. And we need to have eyes to see and ears to hear what God is doing. That we do the better thing. That we do the right thing. That we ended up doing what God wants us and we do those things that are necessary. The things that are needful that we don't start to look at only life through our own perspective of what I want and what I want to do and what I expect. And, but, but looking at what, what is God trying to do? And, and, and instead of you looking at someone else and, and judging them, why don't you say, what is God doing in them? What is God trying to do in them? See? And be a little bit more patient instead of a little bit more hostile. Because, see, if a person's seeking God, even though maybe they're not where they're supposed to be, but they're seeking God, well, maybe come alongside them and give them a hand. Maybe come alongside them and help them. Don't critique them. Don't give them an anchor. Give them a hand up. See what God can do. You see, Psalms 73, 26 says, My flesh, this is the psalmist, my flesh and my heart may fail. But God is my strength of my heart. And the portion forever. John 6 says that he, God, Jesus Christ is the living bread. And whoever looks unto him shall never go hungry. God wants you to partake of the bread every day. The first thing we as God's people should really recognize is that to be in the scriptures. If you want to know the author, you've got to read the book. If you're watching online and you haven't had have a relationship with Jesus Christ, he loves you so much. And there are some things you have to do. There are necessities in life. All of you need to do it. Everyone watching online need to do it. What is the necessities? The first necessity is, is God. Is God your first love? Because the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Let's close your eyes for a moment. And let's go before Father. Those watching online, close your eyes. Go before your Lord who so loves you so much. God came to earth because he loves you so much. You are so loved. You may look in the mirror sometimes and not feel loved. You are loved by God. I ask right now that the Lord would speak to each heart here and those watching. I pray that the Spirit of God would bring you to an understanding of putting Jesus Christ first in your heart and in your love, in your life. And that you would listen and learn to what God's trying to teach you in every area of your life. And if you don't know Jesus, just right now, look up to him and say, God, forgive me of my sins. I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I yield. I surrender my heart and life to you, Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. I believe you died on the third day and you rose again. Conquered sin, death, and the grave. And I believe this, and I ask this in Jesus' name. Wow, that could change your life. Maybe you're here and watching and you say to yourself, maybe you're a little bit my Mary or you're so focused on things. You're, you're so worried. You're so uptight. You know, you're not relaxed. You're not at peace. You don't understand the peace of God. And you're struggling and you're a believer, but you're struggling. I'm going to say God spoke to us over and over again and said, peace I give you. Peace I leave unto you. Grab hold of that peace right now. 
Grab hold of that peace that comes from your God. He wants to give you that peace as you put everything at God's eternal throne. God will touch you right now. If there's areas of your life that you're not doing that you need to do, you need to start doing them. I'm going to ask God to speak to your heart right now. What are those areas that you just, you're not doing? Is God first? Is he first? Not second, not third, but is he first? Do you give him first of everything in your life? You're first of your time. For those here on Sunday, it's like tithing. You give them the first fruits of your time. You're in church. I think that's really important because iron sharpens iron. God created the church. That's why we have it. It's a beautiful thing when people encourage one another and grow together and fellowship together. As you have those things upon your heart, those things you want to start working on, those necessities, those things that are important, Father, I ask right now that we would learn to be a Mary, that we learn to sit at your feet on a daily basis to listen and learn all that your spirit is saying. God, I pray right now that you would slow us down, that we would take time to seek your face in every situation we go through and seek you, your word, your ways, your will, so that we could do your works. I pray, Lord, after that, they spend that time listening and learning. I pray you rise them up to be a Martha, that they may work while it is day, to glorify your name in every way. Father, I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in his church despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 1030 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean, Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.